This is the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast, session number 334. Debbie Taylor on Hypnotic Blueprints. Welcome to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast with Jason Lynette, your professional resource for hypnosis training and outstanding business success. Here's your host, Jason Lynette. Welcome back to the show. It's Jason here. And I first met my guest on the program this week back. Actually, I believe in the summer of 2012, and it was a small event that just three of us were attending, and it was purposefully a small event. But the thing that stood out right away of Debbie Taylor, who you're about to meet on this week's episode, was just that she had an interesting take on the world, an interesting perspective on hypnosis, and I want you to hear this as a compliment. The fact that there were some extremely straightforward things that she was doing but just an artistry of how to present it, how to explain it to the client in a way that just made sense right away. And that's one of the themes you're going to hear in this conversation with Debbie that you're about to listen to of a background of education, learning how students learn, learning how to interact with people, and especially the insight that the school that she worked at previously was, again, kindergarten all the way up through the 12th grade. For most modern school systems, it's going to be, here's the younger ages, here's the middle years of middle school, and then here comes high school. And just think about the insight that there is to be had by seeing the student basically from age five until age 18. So to look at her clients, as she shares in this conversation here today, to look at the clients as it's not just the one single problem that brought you brought them into their office or into the space working with you now— Here's an entire ecosystem of their life, their relationships, their other habits and behaviors, and how it is that we can utilize their strengths and genuinely have the client designing the process with us. Inside of this conversation, you're going to hear us talk about her latest book, which was just recently released. And again, all the details are in the show notes at worksmarthypnosis.com. We'll make it easy for you this week if you go to worksmarthypnosis.com forward slash 334. That will redirect you over to the show notes for this week's episode and give you the details about how to track down her book. On top of that, too, where we're going to spend a lot of this conversation is that Debbie's in the category that I just love to refer to as a hypnotic worker, the type of person who's been out there really just doing the professional work of hypnosis and just finding those systems of personal change and breaking it down in such a way that it just works. And each and every step seamlessly moves on to the next one. So we're going to spend some time talking about her personal change blueprint, which, yes, will likely take some techniques that you're already well aware of, yet one of my favorite themes, put together a framework in such a way that, again, writes the entire client story, gets your client participating, sells the value, and again, one of my favorite parts of this conversation is hearing that worker mindset that just, she knows how to pitch it, she knows how to explain it, that's what gets the client on board. So check out the show notes to see how to get in contact with Debbie, how to pick up a copy of her book. While you're there too, check out the website, hypnoticbusinesssystems.com. We love the mindset that frameworks equal freedom. Because once you have a framework, now you've got a place to get up and running. Now you've got a place to get started. And even better, once you've got a framework, when you've got a really good reason to break the framework, you are now working with intention, 
You are now working with purpose and you are doing something that now you can replicate. So inside of Hypnotic Business Systems, this is my entire business training program exclusively for the hypnotic profession. There's more than three dozen individual business action plans, whether you're in a startup phase, whether you're looking to scale up and bring in a clientele from all around the world, or even create passive income programs along the way, we've got material for you inside of Hypnotic Business Systems. And once again, for a free preview, check out the website, jasonwebinar.com. That'll give you instant access to an on-demand presentation, six steps to a six-figure hypnosis business. Give it about 45 minutes to go through this free class because it's going to give you techniques you can put into use right away. That's at jasonwebinar.com. And as we like to say around here after 300 plus episodes and seven years of doing this, it's about time I had Debbie Taylor here on the program. So here we go. Welcome to the program. Episode number 334. Debbie Taylor on Hypnotic Blueprints. For me, it's when I was teaching elementary school, and we had a school counselor come in, and uh, she just happened to mention that she also did hypnosis on the side. So she invited the staff to meet once a week uh, down in the cafeteria for a weight loss hypnosis session. And of course, we all, you know, we were all over that one. And she made these little recordings for us, and it worked. And it was so interesting. I was fascinated with the whole idea of hypnosis and programming, because as a school teacher, you know, you work off reinforcement all the time. So it was fascinating to me. That was my first introduction to hypnosis. Later, I stumbled across some books by Brian Weiss about past life regression, and that really piqued my interest. It was just crazy. I thought, what? You can figure this out with hypnosis? And that actually is what drove me to uh, become trained as a hypnotist was just my curiosity for that. But once I started doing hypnosis, that just kind of went by the wayside and didn't really think about doing past life regression work for several years. But yeah. those were the, the two things that, that got my attention. Nice. So then to rewind it back, the career before was in teaching? Yes. I taught in both the public and the private sectors for over 20 years, and was also a school administrator, a principal at a very small private school near Portland. Yeah. Yeah. I'm always, I'm always curious to ask this because, again, not many of us get into this work by deciding as we're growing up, I'm going to be a hypnotist. Exactly. What, what kind of connections have you found between being in that educational world? Yes, I know you also teach hypnosis. But in terms of like the client work, how would you say that the teaching career kind of prepared you for that? Oh, gosh. Well, it definitely made it so that it was very comfortable for me to interact with people. But also, I think, to really have the understanding of the whole person, the whole mm -hmm. life, you know, from early childhood all the way through those adult years. The school I worked at initially was a K-12 school. And that was interesting because I would see the same students from kindergarten all the way through the system into high school, oh, yeah. just to observe the changes in those children and their families and, you know, all of that. It was just like, wow, we really got to take this into consideration. This is just not a person with his problem today. You know, this is, they have a whole life. They're a whole person. Yeah. That's, that's a really cool insight to look at how, you know, as we see our clients, our clients might be coming to us for just like one specific thing yet. It's that entire network of who's around them, what other actions, what other environments they're around. Yes. 
And it was heartbreaking sometimes to look at those high school kids and that you had known when they were in kindergarten, you know, they, they enter the system and they're these cute, adorable little puppy people, you know, and <laughs> excited to be there and all that. And shoot, they know a handful of them by the time they're in high school, they're alcoholics or they're drug addicts or they're, they've attempted suicide. Some of them successfully committed suicide um, mm. or they're having children. It's just like, my God, what happens to people? in that time span, you know, and how can we help them process those things that happen to them so that they can go a different direction? Would you say there's any specific takeaways or did that inform how you now work with your clients yourself? I think that informs how uh, very much how I work with clients. I have always been able to see people at any age as that essence of that little child, and yeah. the, the childlike, you know, to just know that these habits, these problems, all of this, you know, negative stuff is not who they are. Mm -hmm. And I really think that that's that teaching experience taught me to see people with that innocence, that that's yeah. who they really are, you know, easily. I think that's a very important takeaway there, especially the whole don't, this is the conversation that pops up occasionally in a training where, yeah, but people are coming in with their problems. People are coming in with their conflicts. And, you know, the old phrase that the map is not the territory. That's not who they are. That's just a thing that they're going through. Right. And I love, love educating people about their brain and how it works. And when the look on their face when they realize that they're all, you know, screwed up in, in their opinion because of these things and that, in fact, they aren't screwed up their brain has just been perceiving things a certain way and the conscious and subconscious interprets that and that we can we can change that we can have yeah. an influence over that interpretation it's just it's so inspirational for people to go oh my god it doesn't have to be like this forever yeah i was going to ask because we all tend to at the end of the day say basically the same things but what's part of how you explain that to your clients how do you end up phrasing that oh my gosh that's a three-hour conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to part one with Debbie. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I start by telling them that, you know, there's the conscious part of them and the subconscious part of them. And they, they both work together. I said, it's like they hold hands through life. You know, they work in tandem. But the conscious part of you is like this teeny tiny little bit. And the subconscious is really running the show. And so everything that you can do in your life is because you have the subconscious programs. I mean, blinking your eyes to turning a doorknob to reading a book, driving a car, it's all possible because you've got the neural pathways. And that with hypnosis, we have the ability to create new neural pathways so that you can do things differently from a different perspective. And I compare those subconscious programs um, to wiring in a house. It's like, you know, it's wiring behind the scenes. Those subconscious programs are very impersonal there's no part of you in there monitoring what's going on. And so if you move into an older house, the wiring in the ceiling and the walls was there to accommodate the needs of the people who built the house at that time. But now here you are, you have brought all of these electronics into your world, you know, metaphorically speaking, and now you need to be cable ready. You need Ethernet hookup. You need outlets, three on every oh, wall. I love that. You need all of this new wiring. The house isn't just going to say, oh, well, here, let me update my wiring to accommodate your needs now. But in hypnosis, that's what we do. We update their subconscious wiring to accommodate what they want and need in their life right now. Because basically, people are running off. Um, they're, they're living in the past. 
What's beautiful about that is uh, you found the right balance of neuroscience nerdery uh, to bring into oh, that. I love it. It's, yeah, I love it. It, it. But it's breaking it down into simple metaphors and descriptions. And, you know, I'm here in my new home production studio and I'm laughing just because the reason of, hey, you just pulled out that wall. Wall that's open. Can you give me a few more outlets here exactly. and a few more over there? <laughs> well, I think maybe that's maybe that's the contribution from my elementary school teaching is that I, I do have the ability to kind of noodle things down to very simplistic explanations so they make sense, you know, and use a lot of metaphor. That's the language of, of the subconscious mind. So I think that teaching uh, background is still helping me. Yeah, that, that's a massively important thing around even storytelling, that how do we mm -hmm. sand it down to the essential elements of the story so we're actually yes. delivering the insight, but also what's the appropriate level that they need that's going to be helpful versus the amount of, I've seen this before, the amount of uh, neuroscience we can get into with a client where they're glazing over and not in the way that we wanted them to. Yeah, yeah, I, I recognize that look. I tell my students, you know, when you're <laughs> explaining this stuff to your clients, sometimes you're going to have some clients that are going to be ready for the whole story all at once. Other times, you're going to have to learn to look for those teachable opportunities. They come in and they complain because they can't stop thinking about uh, something that happened 10 years ago. That is a teaching opportunity to go, well, let me tell you what's happening in your brain, mm -hmm. why that keeps happening, and what we can do to help you with that. So sometimes it's a snippet, sometimes it's a holding story. And I think that way of presenting it, which is that here's what your brain is already doing, which is exactly what we're going to do today on purpose. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. So then from a teaching career into discovering it by a bit of chance, uh, at what point in the story would you say that uh, this officially became a profession for you? Oh, gosh, probably <laughs> after about three years. I knew I wanted to do it in 2007. It was a, a magical year for me. I kept losing jobs. <laughs> and, you know, I finally said, I'm, I think I'd like to be self-employed. I don't like the idea of a complete stranger rifling through a bunch of resumes and deciding if I'm the lucky pick for the day. Mm -hmm. So. I got trained and then I continued to teach for three years while I did hypnosis part-time. And that's when I decided, you know what, I want to go full on. I love this work and I haven't looked back at all. It's interesting. After 15 years of teaching, I would go to teaching conferences. I'd go in and I'd grab my, my bag of goodies and then we would get out of there and go sightseeing. Hypnosis is the opposite. <laughs> I go to these conferences and it's like a feeding frenzy. You know, I can't get enough of it. And I'm like, yep, this is my calling. <laughs> I love it. I love it more now than I ever have. And it's just more and more fun all the time. You just made me flash back to uh, traveling at times in the game of, oh, I've been to this area. I, well, Portland, Oregon, you know, we, that's where you, you and I first bonded over that nuance that I used to go out there and do stage hypnosis shows. Yes, yes. And the, the conversation at one point of, where did you go? I'm like, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> The extended stay in Tigard, Oregon, and then I saw a yeah. bunch of uh, gas stations and rec centers at four in the morning. I hear it's nice. Uh <laughs> yeah, really, at three in the but morning. That, oh. but, that, but that really becomes a big tell that, you know, the fact that we end up at our, these conferences at times and we're there ravenous for every workshop, ravenous for every opportunity to learn more out of it. Uh, from From that, would you say there was a specific sort of interest, a specific passion of what you wanted to work on first, even though it may have changed over time? Well, I think my specific passion has to do with the law of attraction. And I always mm -hmm. kind of 
I always kind of like, well, do I say that out loud? Because you know, there's a huge population of people who get that. And there's a huge population of people who give me the eye roll and it's like, oh, you're one of those. Yeah, I know that that kind of bothers me a little bit because it's like, no, but let me explain it to you in a different way. <laughs> well, I, I think that's one of the strengths of it, that it's something that, to say it politely, there were some who explain it really well. And there are some who paint themselves into a corner without the best description. Now that I've presented that as a challenge, uh, yes. yes. How, how how do you how do you introduce that? How do you talk that through? Well, as far as like mentioning the actual words "law of attraction," mm -hmm. I don't bring them up first. If I have clients who bring it up, or I sense that they might have been exposed to it, then I'll, I'll call it that. Personally, I think every client that's coming to me is asking me to help them manifest something. I mean, if they come in for weight loss, to me, they're asking me to make the law of attraction work for them, show them how to manifest a healthy relationship with food. So everything I see is from that perspective. But the ones that I talk openly to about it, the way I explain it is that, you know, we as humans and all beings, we give off a vibrational frequency it's and that's science and i'm clear to say that this is not woo woo i want to take this out of the woo woo and put it into the science we emit a vibrational frequency we also act as a receiver it's like a radio and i explain to people different radio stations have different call numbers that's because that's the, the frequency that 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 cycle peaks that many times per second people don't know that isn't that interesting and that's where that station gets that number. Each station sends out different information on that frequency. And we're just like that in many ways. But here's the thing, and this is the part that my, my clients love hearing, is that when we're emitting that vibrational frequency, there's more than one. There's a lot more than one. There's the conscious frequency and the subconscious frequency. Now, you're probably familiar with this idea that the conscious mind's only running the show 1% to 5% of the time. And the subconscious is, you know, the 95 to 99%. So that's what I base my pre-talk on law of attraction with clients is that, you know, you can think in positive and focusing on all that great stuff as much as you can. But if that's consciously happening, that's only a 1% to 5% contribution to what you are sending out into the universe for your request. The subconscious mind is sending out most of that frequency. So our work together is going to be to bring those two frequencies together so that they are a match, so that your conscious and subconscious mind are making the same request. Nice, nice. Does that make sense? Yeah, I tell you what I like about that, that phrasing of that. It, it would be that, well, I'll, I'll phrase it this way first. Here's what I usually have a challenge with inside of these dialogues. Um, the thing that I often do, the joking, pat myself on the back, there's something actually intentional to that, which would be that I too often see people who um, don't put enough appreciation to what they've accomplished. You're the one who, you know, let's look at your career. You're the one who put in the effort to build this. You're the one who promoted what you do. Uh, we'll talk about your book here eventually too, I'm sure. You're the one who put in the effort. So when here comes something success, own that success to the best of your abilities, because yes. then you can replicate it. You can then duplicate it. You can then do it again towards a better scale and even to a different audience at times. But so much of our actions yeah. also then, you know, sort of influence our other actions, conscious and unconscious. So it's about this whole being moving towards that. So I love that inside of 
looking at it from both, you know, conscious and subconscious, both, um, you know, logical, rational, as well as everything else that's around us. When you say on the same frequency, like how, if someone had a question on that, how do you tend to explain that? So it's our thoughts more so than our actions. And thoughts are important too, but it's, gosh, it's kind of hard to explain. It's sort of like a set point, you know, it is what is most habitual for you that those thoughts are energized and your subconscious thoughts are the subconscious thoughts of the past programming. And it's like you said, people don't give themselves enough credit. And so even if consciously they're like, yeah, I did that. I did a really good job. And, you know, I'm pretty qualified at this. If their subconscious programming is contradictory to that, that's going to be still sending out most of the vibrational frequency. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, it's frequency that can be measured. They used to have to be able to put the measurements on the skull itself to get them. Now they can, you know, hold it out a foot away from the head. And it's like we emit frequency and you can it's measurable and it changes as you change your thought process, which I love. There's so much science now supporting all of the neurobiology. Yeah, cool. I love that, again, the way that we can phrase it in such a way that now defines it. So a uh, question for you then, what's the name of your book again? It is called Mastering the Law of Attraction, Your Personal Change Blueprint. Nice, and which I is- love. I love this theme of the blueprint. Can you talk about some Thank of that you. and what you've done with your with your client work? Absolutely. First of all, I want to say that this is the first of a of a series. I'm going to write the next one's going to be about mastering financial abundance because people want the specifics. So this first one was just kind of an overview of the personal change blueprint. And this is a process that I have sort of refined over the years that I use with every client with every session. And it would be familiar to a lot of hypnotists as kind of like a modified uh, NLP outcome frame. Um, When I was taught to use the outcome frame in my initial training, it was really long and there were a lot of questions in there that I really didn't get, like talking to someone about a change and asking them when they want it and where they want it. I just wasn't well trained enough to really flesh that out efficiently. So I started throwing stuff out. So, you know, you only have so much time (laughs) to talk to somebody (laughs) in a session. So I started prioritizing and then I started modifying all of that. And what's left is the personal change blueprint. It's eight steps. And the first part is one of my favorites. And it has to do with looking at the unwanted habit or behavior, the thing that they want to get rid of. They want to bring that in. And what we do, I love to do this. I want to say now, when you first got this habit or this problem, whatever it is, this behavior, this belief, it served you well when it was first created. Your subconscious mind, first of all, it's completely impersonal. There's no one in there analyzing what's good and bad. It's just kind of like a a mechanism that's sort of trying to second guess what you want most. And it does that by saying, what do you focus on most? And that's why we get so many uh, negative programs because we focus on the negative. But the first step in my blueprint is to look at what was going on when this unwanted habit started. For example, a smoker, you know, obviously right now there is no value to you as a smoker, but when you first started smoking, I want to hear that story just in a nutshell. And I have to tell them in a nutshell, how old were you? What was going on? Oh, I was in high school. It's almost always in high school with your friends. It was fun to be rebellious. You felt grown up. The other kids were scared of you and you loved that. You know, there was all that value. And I said, and once the subconscious mind 
is finished making a program like tying your shoes, when it's done, that gets archived. So your smoking habit got archived with all of that fun included in it. And now your subconscious mind still thinks that smoking is fun for you because it has not gotten the memo that it's 40 years later and you don't need to smoke to have fun or be cool or belong to a group or anything like that. So that's where we're going to start is we want to look at the value, the unwanted habit or behavior brought to your life at the time the program was created. Many of these programs are decades old, but we want to look at that value. We want to thank it, bless it, and send it on its way so that we can now, and then I have the client finish that. So now what? Why are you willing to give that up? And sometimes they're not. You know, that's the secondary gains. Sometimes when they realize what they're getting out of the problem, they're like, oh, I I think I'd rather just keep the problem. Thanks. See you later. (laughs) That doesn't happen very often, but it has on occasion. I I had a woman who was severely depressed, had been for years, been in therapy for years, yada, yada, yada. And so we started working through this blueprint. And I said, so what value did it bring to your life? And what will change? You know, what's going to be different when you're not depressed anymore? And at first she was like, oh gosh, it'll be wonderful. I'll be able to do the shopping again and I can start cooking meals again and I can start taking care of the house. Then she goes, wait a minute. I don't really want to do any of that. (laughs) My husband's been doing that for 20 years and I'm okay with him doing that. So maybe I don't want to get out of this. Maybe I'm good with the depression. That's the kind of session where you kind of have to sit back and like, oh, you're just going to do this yourself. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It doesn't happen often, but it it's so interesting for people to look at the value and say, what did I get out of this? And am I willing to give that up? And mm-hmm. it's like, heck yeah. So that's where yeah. we start. Yeah. Then we do outcome. What is it that you want? Well, let me pause you there for a second, please, because there's sure. a cool way that that was introduced that, you know, it served a specific purpose when you first started doing this, when you start, first started feeling this way, when you first picked up this habit, but kind of now it's overstayed its welcome as it were. Exactly. But that, that's a really, again, back to the education, back to, again, let's look at the words that we're using and phrase it in a way that the point is made in a brief and succinct format that it was giving you something. And it's a nice way of telegraphing that today is about helping you to find better ways to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. Sleep sessions, you know, I, I get so many women that, you know, oh, I haven't slept for years. And I'm like, when did this start? That's that's always, I teach my students, always ask your client, when did this start? When did you first notice it? And what else was going on at about the same time? And a lot of people that can't sleep well can remember back to, well, this started when I first had a new baby at home or when I first got out of college or when I first went to college. And it's like, so can you see that your subconscious mind was like helping you stay up to solve a problem? There was yeah. a reason for it. That's awesome. But guess what, subconscious mind? That baby grew up and moved out, and I really want to sleep now. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that sounds a little too personal. <laughs> <laughs> As in the new home, our bedroom is on the ground floor, and the kids are above us on the second floor. And we can hear everything. And oh, um, wow. And they know we can hear everything. (laughs) (laughs) The office is soundproof. The bedroom is not. (laughs) It's all right. Stomp, stomp, stomp. It's like, oh, yeah, Max has discovered stomping. Let's. uh... It's amazing how heavy footed a small child can be, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Or the fun of a bunk bed is not the first bed, but jumping (laughs) off the second one. Yeah. 
I'm hearing a, a laughter of knowledge on that one. <laughs> uh, give us like a, as you said, give us like in a nutshell, uh, walk us through the other steps of that system then. Oh, sure. Okay. So um, after we have identified the the unwanted problem, what it brought to you, and we thanked it and blessed it and sent it on its way and, and told the subconscious mind why we don't need it anymore, then we mm -hmm. say what we do need. Here's what I want. Sometimes that's kind of hard. I mean, it's the outcome. You know, what is the outcome that you want? And sometimes yeah. people want, want to lose weight, but oftentimes they just want to have a healthy relationship with food. And then that the weight loss is a natural consequence of that. So I help them really, you know, drill down into what exactly one sentence, if we can, what is the outcome? What is the thing you want? You know, and then um, the next one is, well, first I say, put yourself in the position that you've got that. Okay. Mm -hmm. Fast forward a year, six months, whatever you have to do, you've got it. That's the norm. It's just what you do. Now, what has changed? What's different in your life because you have accomplished this outcome? And it's so interesting to me, Jason, how many people will say, I don't know, I never thought about it. And I'm like, how can you possibly change a behavior if you've never thought about what you want instead? You know, everything that exists started with a thought. Yeah. And so I will, you know, I'll tell them we've got it. We're making a target. We can't hit a target if we can't see it. So make it good. How do you want your life to be? You know, what that's a will great insight, especially as so many people, you know, it's the, I don't want this. I don't want to be afraid when I'm driving on the highway. I don't want to smoke and right. we've got to navigate them towards what they do want. And if yes. they can't, if they can't describe it, it's a whole, it's a whole different game of how we actually can get there. Yeah, it's huge. And I teach them that, you know, the subconscious mind, like a computer, speaks its own language, and it's the language of imagery. Your words create imagery. And the subconscious doesn't take your words and program. It takes your words and turns them into a picture. Mm. Now, it cannot make a picture of you not doing something. <laughs> so if you say, I want to quit smoking cigarettes after dinner every night, you just made a picture of yourself smoking cigarettes after dinner every night. So mm. how else can you say that? And they'll go, I don't know. So I'm, I'll say, well, if you're not smoking cigarettes after dinner every night, what are you doing instead? And they go, I don't know. I never thought about it. And I'm like, good. That's what we're going to do. We're going to think about it. What do people who don't smoke do after dinner? What do they do? You know, what are your choices? And we make a game plan and that gets uh, answered on this blueprint. And the blueprint serves as the suggestion base. Everything They tell me everything I say back to them in the hypnosis, yeah. and it all comes off the blueprint. So we look at the evidence, and then I, and then I go back to the outcome, and I, I retell the story. This is all storytelling, and it's very repetitive because that's how we do these things, you know. And then I say, now, what does that look like? What image comes to your mind when you hear this story that you've got that we're creating? This can be literal or figurative. I'll tell them, you know, if you see rainbows and butterflies, that is a legitimate answer. <laughs> you know, that's okay. Nothing wrong with that. And, you know, what does it look like? Sound like. And that's always interesting. People look at me like I've just fallen out of a tree. What do you mean? What does it sound like? So I tell them a sound can be the voice in your head, comments from other people, or the absence of a sound. Now, what sounds are associated with this change? So that gets them thinking. And the more they think about it, the more we talk about it, the more ideas their brain generates. And the story just gets richer and richer and more vivid and more colorful. And, uh, you know, and then we talk about what it feels like. And then I have them say, all right, let's look at the whole picture. I summarize the whole thing and I say, now, what does having this change do for you? This is the big one. This is kind of a come to Jesus moment for a lot of people. 
you know, some tears on this one. What does this do for me? It's like, oh my God, this changes my whole life. You know, this makes, this proves to me that I can have a happy life, that I'm not broken, that I, I can succeed, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. And then we flesh it out and just a little bit more and say, so what other changes will you notice in your career, finances, self-esteem, relationships, and spirituality if they have a spiritual practice? And for those keeping track so far, this is an extremely hypnotic process, but so far it's all been happening conversationally. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Cool. Cool. So then at what point in the journey of this, because I, I love this because it's where I hear people who are often tentative about how to make that transition from this type of work into, let's say, formal hypnosis. How are then you making that transition, if at all, from the actual, let's say, close your eyes, let's now uh, hypnotize? Well, yeah. after we after we go through all of the of the blueprint, you know, I tell them, we'll choreograph the words I'll say back to you. At that point, I'm like, this is it. Is there anything else you want me to say to you in this session? And at that point, then it's, you know, the induction. And I, uh, I'm i with Richard on this one. I, I like the old-fashioned progressive relaxation that is just, you know, bores him to death. And I tell my clients, I'm going to bore you into a coma with my monotone voice because that's how I roll. <laughs> and <laughs> and it works, you know, it works. So that's it. So then I just, I do it. I do the induction and then I weave that into the blueprint and I feed all of that beautiful language back to them that they just gave me. And we make this magnificent mind movie. And I always tell them, you know, if you think of something while you're listening to this that you wish we would have plugged into it, go ahead and plug it in, think it into it. Just make sure you're thinking words that create the imagery of what you do want, mm. you know. Um, so we do that and I go through the blueprint with them um, and then, you know, emerge, bring them up. We talk about it and I record that and I have them listen to that every day for a couple of weeks. And it's so interesting because, you know, when people listen to that recording every day in their mind, it's kind of like they're talking to me or I'm talking to them. And it's so interesting on the first visit, many people are so very shy and kind of intimidated and, you know, weirded out by the whole thing. But by the time they've listened to that recording every day for two weeks, they come back for that second appointment and it's like old home week, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like they've known you forever because <laughs> they've listened to you every day for two weeks. Yeah. And I like that way of introducing it too, where I hear some that it go back and forth between the, yes, they have them do something. No, they don't. We always create change either through repetition or intensity or some combination. You're getting that intensity by way of the actual session. And the beauty of this is you're creating something that's specific to them. And even Absolutely. better, uh, and to use Karen Hand's words, you're not having to be the wizard because you're getting everything from them. Yeah, it's magic. I tell my students, yeah. you don't need to worry about a thing. The client will tell you exactly what you need to say back to them. I'm just going to teach you what to ask. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. I love it. Love it love so it. so then out of curiosity, is this something that will you say that uh, kind of developed naturally over time? Was it something out of necessity of kind of systematizing what you do? I'm always a bit of a sucker for systems and uh, I wouldn't even put this, yes, it is kind of a protocol, but it's more of a systematic way of utilizing a lot of the skills we already all have. It is a systematic way. And I think the way that I, it came to me is when I first started doing this, one client at a time, and mm -hmm. I had my little my little cheat sheet, what to say with one person. But the first person who signed up for a package of four was like, oh, my God, what am I going to do with this person four times? 
I can't do the same thing. I can't do the same thing four times. What am I going to do? So I dug through my notes and I found the um, the NLP outcome frame. And I thought, oh, I can work with this. And this will be different every time they come in because mm -hmm. we'll, we'll be, you know, into a different focus on their situation. So that's how I started using that. And that's when I realized there are way too many questions on here that I, I don't have time for. And they're just too weird anyway. So I just started modifying it. And it didn't take long, really. It took, you know, a year or so until I had a list of questions that I like to ask. It doesn't matter if they're asked in this, the right order or the same order, I should say, nor does it matter when you're feeding the information back to them, what order it, you give it back to them in. But this is so beautiful to me because it's a, it's a form. It's a list of questions that I can ask everybody. That's so intense. People look at me and they're like, I've, I've never been asked questions at this level before. And it's like, good. <laughs> and I'm doing my job, you know? Right. So that's how it worked for me. And I just, I do incorporate some scripts and some metaphors and things like that, that I've gathered through the years, um, in addition to using the blueprint, but I just love it. It's, it's very versatile. When I teach self-hypnosis, I teach people how to use it. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Nice. Nice. So then out of that, would you say there's a specific clientele, a specific issue you tend to like working with the most, or what does the day-to-day -day practice tend to look like? I will pretty much help people with anything they bring through the door, but my mm -hmm. preference as I get older <laughs> and wiser, I really, really love the stuff that's more spiritually inclined. Someone yeah. asked me the other day if I dealt more in health and wellness or self-improvement. And I thought, gosh, isn't health and wellness part of self-improvement? But I could see their point. And I think I really love the self-improvement part. And for that reason, I am branching out into life coaching because I do have a lot of clients who don't necessarily have a behavior that needs to be modified. They yeah. have like a whole life issue, a belief system that's tripping them up. And they just need more more life coaching than hypnosis. So kind of morphing into that uh, area a little bit. Yeah. Would you say they're starting with you in that respect, or is it that they're coming to you for the hypnosis and then it morphs into that? Correctly on that second one, they come for the hypnosis. Okay, yeah. 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 But I like, I like the spiritual stuff and it doesn't even matter what their religion is because I kind of see the whole, like I see people as whole people. I see belief systems as whole belief systems and I can help people see where their beliefs are limiting and it doesn't matter to me what their practice is or their belief system. If there's something going on that's limiting them, I can help them sort of work through that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a question that pops up as terms of people who are looking at, you know, doing one versus the other. And, you know, I can speak from my experience that because do a search, everything pops up hypnosis with my name. That is that unique thing about what I do. And then they also then see, oh, here's another way we can now take this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. Excellent. Excellent. Where can uh, people try track down the book? Debbie Taylor author.com. It's on Amazon oh, yeah. as well, yeah. but I have a, a, a new website. I've got two new websites that are just about ready to launch. One's for my uh, training program and the other is for my hypnosis slash life coaching thing. But right now the book is available through Amazon and at my website. Yeah, and we'll put links to everything over at the show notes at worksmarthypnosis.com. Uh, tell us about this journey. I mean, you began in an education business, um, business, uh, an education yeah. profession, um, and then the discovery of hypnosis. 
And then as you were doing hypnosis, eventually, then I first met you when we were both attending a trainer's course a bunch yep. of years ago. Well, um, it was recent. <laughs> <laughs> the grand scheme of things, it's all recent. Yes. Yes. Um, but from that, what, what would you say is a perspective from the educational world that has influenced the way that you do your own trainings? Oh, my gosh. A lot. I mean, every class I've ever taken the whole time I'm listening to the teacher, I'm thinking to myself, you know, if I were teaching this class, I would do it this way. <laughs> I would present that a little different. So my teaching background has a lot to do, not just with my hypnosis certification course, but the way I interact with clients, because I teach every client about their subconscious mind and how it works and how it's tripping them up and all of that. So, so my educational background's had a huge influence on the hypnosis business, um, there was a little interval after teaching where I was kind of like, you know, I'm tired of teaching. And I had a good friend in HR and she said, you should be in HR because you make a lot more money and, you know, you don't have to work at the school anymore. Oh my gosh. I tried HR for a short term and realized very quickly that was not the world for me. First of all, it was very difficult. My brain doesn't think in those terms. So I went back to teaching and the hypnosis at the same time. And it was just like, I just love the hypnosis so much. I feel like I have absolute freedom to do what I feel is going to be most helpful for the client. And it's, it's a much more short-term proposition, you know. You imagine seeing the same client every day for nine months, a whole room full of them. That's kind of what teaching <laughs> is like. It's a kind of a nightmare. <laughs> I love the HR story only for the reason I'm flashing back to a time I worked at a summer camp. And um, I really appreciate the experience. Wait for it. But yeah. uh, <laughs> there, there was the day during like the welcome week and, uh, hey, Jason, how's it going? Uh, do you have a minute? Yeah, what's up? I will be one of the more popular counselors. I will be, it was a theater camp as well. Uh, oh, I'll yeah. be the one that the, uh, the directors are fighting over to have me be the stage manager, but I'll, I'll never be back here again. Then oh, we'll if you need to leave. No, 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 it's fine. Work ethic. I'll be here the whole way through. But just this is not my thing. At the end of the camp, one of the comes over and goes, Jason, assistant director? Oh, God, no, no. But thank you. I'm honored. <laughs> no. Uh, oh, but I think those experiences are vitally important, the same as, you know, we've talked at times around some of the tech things. Mm -hmm. You know, when you discover that, oh, wait, this is not my skill. Someone else needs to be doing this. Yes, um, delegate. I said as you were wonderfully patient with me today as we rescheduled several times because someone else is painting the house. Yeah. I, not me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, the teaching world was, was lovely, but I didn't really fit into that world. It was very restrictive and it was, uh, it was upsetting to me in a way to see how many people didn't really give a rip about what their kids did at school. And it was like, Oh, I want to work with people who take their, their health and wellness a little more serious. Well, it's, it's, what we've had the chat about before is like the benefit of training hypnosis is that at one, there's a class I did one time and I only did this once because I knew everybody already in the room. We'd all, everybody in the class had already called me and talked to me in detail about the event. It's like, okay, great. Let's cover the class rules. You're all adults and you've all signed up for this yourself. All right, let's get started. <laughs> oh God. I love that so much. Um, yeah. yes, I've, I've been discussing with other people that are teaching and they're like, you know, they're hand holding and they're making sure of this. And I'm like, Oh, I don't do that at all. I'm like, I am not the homework police. You spend a lot of money on this class. If you want to get good at it, I will teach you how, but if you don't watch the tutorials and read the stuff, then see you later. 
Sorry. That kind of transparency gets the point across even better sometimes. As it's friendly, it's to the point, but it's also nicely informing. (laughs) I will bend over backwards to help my students that you're like really wanting to help. But, you know, if they don't show up for class for six weeks and then they want me to work on the weekends to help them catch up, it's not going to happen. Excellent. Excellent. Which is the same as with a client. You know, we're doing our part to share the resources, the skills, the everything necessary and uh, that guide, I'm curious to ask you then, let's say it is that client. I wouldn't do this if you were my hypnotist. Let's put that disclaimer out there first. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, the question would be that, let's say you've given that assignment, and I don't want to use that word too carefully here, but you've given that assignment of things to do, and maybe it is the rare moment of, oh, nothing's been working. I haven't had time to listen to that thing. How, how, how do you handle that? Oh, well, this happened to me. And the, first of all, I'll say, Seriously? You haven't listened to the recording. This is back when I was making CDs. And I would say, is that not the most expensive CD you have in your collection? And you can't listen to it for 30 (laughs) minutes a day? Um, And I have been known to send people home more than once. If they show up and they haven't listened, and I get that. You know, life happens. You know, it's not a big deal. It's not a judgment against them. But if they show up for their next appointment and they have not been listening to that recording, I'll say, you know, we build on progress. So I am not comfortable making it another recording that you're not going to listen to until you have listened to that last one for two weeks. So let's reschedule you. We're not going to count this one against your package. Okay. I want you to get the best out of every one of these sessions. And I think they appreciate that. So I send them home. Right. Yeah. There's a beautiful bit of transparency in there. Again, you know, it's not going to count, but here's what's going to be different next time we're here, basically. Yeah. 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 Well, Debbie, thank you so much for coming on the show. I know we were talking for a while about getting you on here and excited to have you on in perfect timing as the book's now available and we'll put links yeah. to everything in the show notes at worksmarthypnosis.com. Before we wrap it up, any final thoughts for the listeners that are out there? Oh my gosh. I would just say, follow, follow your heart and your instincts. You know, there's so many resources out there available for you to find your niche or, you know, your process, whatever it is that you love to do. So just open up, find what's working for you and uh, keep doing what you're doing, helping people. Jason Lynette here once again. And as always, thank you so much for interacting with my guest, for subscribing to this program and sharing it in your ongoing conversations in this incredible profession. You can head over to the show notes at worksmarthypnosis.com forward slash 334. That'll give you the show notes for this week's specific episode, how to get in contact with Debbie, how to find her book, either from her website or on Amazon. And once again, check out hypnoticbusinesssystems.com. As we like to say, guessing sucks. In terms of business, it can get rather expensive. So instead, use what actually works, use what has been proven to work inside of my hypnotic business, and what has in many ways been replicated by professionals all around the world. Check that out at hypnoticbusinesssystems.com or get instant access to the free preview, Six Steps to a Six-Figure Hypnosis Business, yours now at jasonwebinar.com. See you soon. Thanks for listening to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast at worksmarthypnosis.com. 